Welcome into NSN Daily. It is a Friday. Uh, it means uh, we'll go through a uh, bet or no bet. Uh, we've got our athlete of the month when it comes to University of Nevada athletics. But uh, Chris, let's get right to it. Some uh, some pretty good news come down uh, late yesterday. Me being a Niner fan, this was exciting to me. I've always been a fan of Brandon Marshall, uh, who was uh, just an integral cog of that 2010 team. Uh, really showed a lot of heart after being cut by the Jaguars. Ends up having a, a great career with the Broncos, wins a Super Bowl, um, and now trying to resurrect his uh, career and get back out on the field. And he had a workout um, yesterday with the 49ers. Last played in the NFL in 2018. So it's been a while for him as he tries to get, you know, reacquainted with the league. And it's difficult at linebacker. I mean, more than any position outside of running back, I feel like inside linebacker, you're just kind of, you know, chewed up and spit out. We'll use you for four or five good years before you get expensive. And then we're going to dump you and get a younger guy who can do something that you can do for a cheaper price. Now, the good thing about Brandon is he really did cash in after that Super Bowl win with the Broncos. So he's made some good money, but he's a guy who still wants to play. I mean, he's got a lot of talents. I know he does a lot of TV work down there in the Las Vegas area, his hometown. So it's not like he needs the money, but you probably always have that craving that if you didn't have the ending that you wanted, and I don't think he did because his time with the Raiders was cut short because of injury. Um, he's had tryouts with the Texans. He did have a second chance with the Raiders and then was cut before playing for the team. So bounced around a little bit, but he certainly has stayed active. If you follow his Twitter account, just working out and trying to get this opportunity. And we'll see if it comes to fruition with the 49ers. I mean, he's a West Coast guy, so that fit seems like it works. Um, and, you know, it's just a guy who hasn't given up on the dream is still playing in the league, even though he's done a lot of great things in the NFL. Well, the preseason All-Mountain West Conference uh, football team was announced uh, by Athlon Sports. A lot of silver and blue on this one, Chris, including a good amount of guys making the, the first team honors. I don't understand why these always get publicized. Like if Athlon puts it out, it's news. But if I write it up and put it out and I cover the conference a lot stronger than Athlon, you know, Nevada doesn't send out a press release. It's just weird to me. But um, I think it's news if you do it because you know more than these guys do. No, nah, I don't really care what Athlon says anyways. And I think they have like four or five teams. Um, but Here's my thing. So Nevada has nine returning all Mountain West players coming back from last season. That's the most in the Mountain West. The second most is Boise State with seven. I actually think that you can say legitimately that Nevada has the most talented roster in the Mountain West in football in 2021. And I don't think you can ever say that when Boise State's in your conference. I think Boise State always gets that designation and it's earned because of the talent that comes through that program. I mean, they send guys off to the NFL like crazy. But going into this season, I think Nevada is just clearly a more talented team, a more experienced team, and should be a better team than Boise State. Now, will they get the most out of that talent? I think that's a big question mark. I think you look at Jane Norvell's first three seasons, they didn't always get the most out of their talent on the roster. Last year, I think you could argue that they did, although, again, they were 0-2 against above 500 teams, so struggled against the better competition on their schedule. But I think that's the exciting thing if you're a Wolfpack fan is you can legitimately step on the field against any team in the Mountain West say we're more talented that doesn't mean you're going to win you got to go out there and execute for 60 minutes you got to play hard you got to play as a team you got to do all of those things not turn the ball over make big plays keep other teams from making big plays but there shouldn't be a game where Nevada steps on the field and I think you might be able to even include Cal and Kansas State where Nevada is not the superior talent and that's a really cool feeling uh, as Jay Norvell has put this together over five years now of just assembling a roster that is really really good and it shows with awards like this and you go back to last year and, you know, you have NFL players with Carson Strong, maybe Romeo Dubs, Elijah Cook, 
backs, uh, Cole Turner, uh, Aaron Frost on the offensive line, Toa Tau and Devontae Lee are probably the best one-two running back punch in the league. So there's talent all over that offense. I think a little bit less on defense, but still a very talented defense and a very veteran defense. So that, that's the thing that I would point out just in terms of these preseason All-Mountain West honors. You're going to get a lot for Nevada just because of the talent that's on this uh, you know, roster. Opportunity to certainly have a uh, 2010-esque type of season if the, if the cards fall right and, and injuries stay away. That's always a bugaboo. Uh, on the first team, quarterback Carson Strong. Romeo Dubs selected as a wide receiver and a punt returner. Tight end Cole Turner, offensive lineman Aaron Frost, who's a monster. Um, Burdell Robbins, a very talented corner. And then uh, Brandon Talton, first teamer, who, um, of course, made his splash for some pressure with Nevada by beating a Big Ten team at Nike Stadium. So pretty cool. Uh, also uh, heard yesterday, and we saw this on social media, that uh, another transfer coming in, uh, Central Florida's Chad Brown, who is a three-star three junior college uh, defensive back who was at Fresno City College before going to the Knights never played at Central Florida. He's a big DB, Chris. Long journey for him. He's from Baltimore, ends up at Fresno City, Central Florida, now Reno. Hasn't played since 2019, since JUCOs were canceled last season. But in that 2019 season, he was very, very strong. He had six uh, interceptions, which is a really big number, 24 total tackles and uh, one fumble recovery. So, I mean, he's a guy who's been level we'll see exactly how that plays out uh, at the division one level but I mean it just continues to show that there has been a, a concerted effort to stock Nevada secondary with more that was a big area of weakness last year uh, they've added three division one transfers and now a juco transfer who was at a division one school so uh, you know I, I wouldn't be shocked if he steps in there and he gets some meaningful reps because that's the area that Jay Norvell has said needs to have the biggest improvements. And this is a guy with his size, with his production at the JUCO level, with his pedigree and his prospect ranking, who you would think you could plug in there and get something out of in year one. When you go the JUCO route, you're not waiting on the kid. You want him to come in and be a productive player in the first season. And that will be his charge to come in and do that. It'll be interesting to see what kind of a fit it is. You know, and I, I always uh, put an asterisk next to junior college players because uh, and I, I'm not trying to make that a negative thing, but somebody went to a JUCO for a reason. Maybe it was academics, maybe it was a talent level, maybe it, there was a, a, an attitude problem, I don't know. And when it's, you know, you haven't played in a couple of years and it's your third school and you didn't play at the last one, who knows? But it could be a good fresh start for Chad Brown. So I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt and think, hey, this guy's going to come in and hopefully compete for some playing time. And when you're a six foot three listed at six three, defensive back, that's huge. For the Mountain West Conference. That's that's a big big player to have in your secondary. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we will introduce you to the Wolfpack Athlete of the Month. That's coming up next. The Nevada Sportsnet Wolfpack Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Champion Chevrolet. Welcome back to NSN Daily. It is uh, the end of May, and it's about time for our Wolfpack Athlete of the Month. And this time around, we go out to a team that is Chasing a championship at Pacoli Park, we introduce you to big right-handed pitcher, Shane Gustafson. It's your redshirt senior year. Your time at Nevada is slowly but surely coming to an end, but you guys have one more big conference series here coming up, a chance to potentially make Nevada history. I mean, just what's what's the mood been like in the clubhouse right now? Uh, I'd say we're ready and we want to win. We want more than just conference. We want to keep going as far as we can. Just what has your time at Nevada 
meant to you so far? I mean, you came in 2019, you, you know, were a part of the team last year when the season got shut down, just, you know, what's it been like to be playing with this group of guys this year and in years past? Uh, this year has been something completely different with all the rules that we've had to follow and the different regulations. So getting to know guys, just only being at the field, it's been, it's been great just to slowly dive into each person and get to know each person at a personal, like, I don't know what they do off the field and what they're like with their families. Being one of the older guys on this team, how do you think some of these younger players, some of these younger pitchers look up to you? Cause you have been around for a while and you went to community college beforehand. Yeah, I, I would like to think that they see me as an example of how to go about your work and how to uh, keep pushing forward when things may not be as easy as it should be or as easy as it seems. So I hope they see me as somebody that uh, can just keep moving forward no matter what happens. What do you think you've learned just from some of the guys, you know, on the past, Grant Ford, Bradley Bonifant, and when you take a look, you know, around the bullpen now, you have guys like Jake Jackson, Owen Schartz. I mean, just what do you think, you know, you've learned from them? I think I've learned a different type of mentality of how to go about pitching. Um, junior college, I was very, um, I had a lot, I, I, for some reason, I'd use like a rage or a pent up anger for some reason against the other team, but I think guys in the bullpen, Grant Ford, Brad Bonifant, they've taught me how to, you know, just relax and it, it will be okay. And you can pitch at an evil, as, as a, uh, what do they call it, at a, like a neutral line, a neutral level. And so I was talking with Jake Jackson a couple of weeks ago, and he said how much he's learned from Coach Buckley and just how much knowledge he has. He said he has so much knowledge. I mean, you know, what, what knowledge have you taken from him during your time here? kind of the mental side of the game and more about like how to go about pitching and on different levels of this game. And you can talk to coach Buckley for hours and hours and you will always learn new information. He's a great resource to have for the team. So diving into your childhood and your baseball journey a little bit. Um, we were talking before we came on the air here and you had heart surgery when you were four years old. So just tell us a little bit about what that was about. So when I was younger, the doctors noticed an abnormality in my heart and that one of the valves, the mitral valve was stuck open basically, and it wasn't pumping correctly. Um, so they, they noticed this and they kept watch at a young age and they described it as like a double door for the valve. And one of the doors was always open, leaking blood into my heart. And so my heart had to work a little bit harder. So by the time I was four years old, my heart was the size of an adult's heart. And the doctors finally said like, okay, it's time to do the surgery and we're gonna do a replacement valve. And that was the plan. And then before the surgery started or a month or so, I don't know when, they decided to switch it to a repair. And if they did not switch it to the repair, I would not be playing baseball today. Just how thankful are you for them to switch it to that. So you did have the opportunity to play baseball. And I know you played water polo as well. And just to be able to live your life, maybe like other kids would. Uh, I'm extremely thankful. I think God has a plan for all of us. And, he, and that happened for a reason. Does it affect you at all today? Or did you have to have checkups or anything growing up? Or, you know, what was kind of, what was life like after it happened? So after it happened, I, I think I was in the hospital for a total of two weeks. Um, they released me, and ever since then, it's, it was 
I think I got checkups twice a year and then it slowly died down to once a year. And now it's just kind of checkup, just, you know, doctor emails me, hey, how you doing? You know, if you need to come in, let me know if there's any issues, let me know. But yeah, uh, there's been no issues. I haven't had any restrictions growing up and I've been able to have a normal childhood. It's something a little extra. There you go. And you know, what have your parents just meant to you as they've taken you, you know, dealing with that at such a young age, I can only imagine being a parent and then taking you to checkups as a kid and now being able to almost then just put that chapter past you in your life to, like you said, have a normal childhood. Yeah, I couldn't do it without my parents. They've done a lot for me and a lot for my brothers. They are a key factor in all of our success and what we're able to do now. So talking about baseball a little bit, um, how old were you when you started playing baseball then? Oh, I think three, four years old. My dad would take me and my older brother at the time and just go to the field, hit ground balls. And I, he told me, he's told me the stories about how I always wanted more ground balls and I always wanted to be at the field. And it's just a fun time. So it's like just a natural love for the game. Were you always a pitcher or did you play first base? I mean, you're pretty tall now. So I'm going to guess you're pretty tall as a kid too. Uh, actually, I was, I was probably average growing up, um, average height. And then around freshman, sophomore year of high school, I shot up about six inches and got up to six four. But no, I wasn't always the pitcher. Uh, I was also a second baseman. I loved second base. And then high school, I was like, oh, I'll play first base <laughs> and pitch. And I, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've thrown sidearm. So it's been a natural thing for me and it hasn't been much change to it. So throwing sidearm, I feel like that's a little different than playing water polo, but I've never played mm -hmm. water polo because I saw you played water polo for four years in high school too. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, uh, I, I love water polo. It's a great sport. If you get the chance, you should definitely check out a game. It's intense. Uh, my parents love to watch the game. Um, there's a lot of fighting underwater. There's, it's, it's a different style of sport that people may not be aware of. But the sidearm thing actually, I think, was an advantage because I had more angles to throw a ball at or more abilities and other people and I was I had so much fun with water polo to the point where like I would just go just because and I got my coaches to take me to practices or do extra practices and I was getting recruited to go play water polo at D1 level. So what made you decide to want to play baseball in college instead? I love baseball more. It no. was worth it. It was worth it to go the juco route over water polo because I love baseball. And going the junior college route and then now finding your way to Nevada. I mean, you're from Rockland, so it's only a couple hours away, but when did you really hear about Nevada and the baseball program? So I've known about Nevada for a long time. Uh, some of my old teammates from Rockland, the guys that graduated before me, like Austin Dick, uh, went to Rockland High School. So I've grown up hearing, the, um, hearing about the college. A lot of people from Rockland High School has gone to UNR, so it's just like, when UNR called me, I was like, yeah, I want to go here. Seems like a great place. And now that you have been at Nevada the last couple of years, um, you know, how do you think you've just grown as a person and as a player? I think the weather helps. I've never played in snow. So learning to practice in snow, learning how to stay warm and uh, stay ready for games. I've grown in that way. I've grown in ways of 
the coaches have been great coaches here and they've been I call it hard nose or tough love like they they expect a high expectation from each of their players and I love that sort of hard work that it takes to be here so I've grown in just staying mentally tough and physically strong throughout the day and throughout the cold times here. Talking about being mentally strong mentally tough I mean a big series this weekend and staying focused one day one game at a time um not to look ahead but what would it mean to be a part of Nevada history uh as of right now I couldn't think of anything more that I want it's it's something that this team has been striving for year after year I think this year is our best chance to make it and I can't wait to be a part of it and for you I mean what would it mean you know after your time at in college is done to if you had the opportunity to go on and play professionally? Oh, that's something I've dreamed of since I was a kid. That's, that's something I've thought about before going to sleep and it's something I keep uh, posted for my goals, like to keep going, keep going as far as I can. We'll definitely have full coverage of Nevada's battles against San Jose State as they go through the weekend. Wolfpack hoping to raise a trophy at Piccoli Park. We'll be right back. Welcome back to NSN Daily. The Reno Ace is off to a sizzling heart to the 20 heart. Hmm. Three, two. Welcome back to NSN Daily. The Reno Aces are off to a sizzling start to the 2021 campaign. And Nevada Sportsnet has partnered up with the team to bring you a brand new show called Aces All In. Here's Kirsten Moran with a taste of the new program. Thank you so much for joining me. When you attended Clemson University, you were awarded the Dick Hauser Trophy for the National College Player of the Year. And first, as a freshman, huge accomplishment. What work went into attaining that award? Uh, you know, for me, uh, it kind of led all the way back um, to my sophomore year in high school when my my family and I kind of made the decision where, like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to school a semester early. And that took a lot of, like, preparation when it came to my classes and all that stuff to graduate a semester early. And uh, for me, you know, that was taking, you know, two math, two sciences, you know, two history classes, everything, you know, through my sophomore to junior year, I basically had to double up on. And uh, really, um, it was really tough during that situation, but to even get to the point where I could go to college early and play in 2016 was uh, a big process and oh, it was a lot of, a lot of work, um, but you know, I was obviously very happy I did it and I was super excited um, to go to school and uh, being honored with an award like that after the year, I remember, you know, I was sitting downstairs and, you know, getting a call from coach Monty Lee, who's the head coach at Clemson tell me, you know, I'd, I'd won this award and I was almost just shocked because, you know, there's so many good players throughout NCAA and, you know, just amateur status, all this stuff. And to be honored with that award and to be the first guy ever to get it, you know, as a freshman is pretty cool. Did it set the bar for the rest of your college career that you had you had to amount to, to something of that caliber each and every season? Um, definitely, definitely. It was um, there was there was highs and lows to it. Um, and it was something, you know, you know, I had to learn from and I had to get better from. But at the end of the day, I think it made me a better ball player and honestly a better person. And you kind of have to figure out, you know, during the highs, you know, you're super excited, and, you know, super um, just uh, blessed to be on the field. But, you know, you have to understand that, you know, baseball is not, is not like that. You can't always be the best. You, you, sometimes you get beat and that's just part of the game. And that's why it's such an incredible and such a hard game to play. Um, and that was definitely things I had to deal with throughout my sophomore years, especially. 
Um, and then going into my junior year, I kind of got to the point where, you know, I just wanted to go out and play. And because uh, I know I play my best baseball when I'm just playing it like I'm a kid in the backyard. So those are all things I had kind of had to figure out throughout my college, college life, my college career. And, uh, you know, to throw school on top of that, too, it, it was kind of, um, you know, uh, a tough situation in some aspects. But, you know, I was really happy and really blessed. I went to Clemson and, you know, I have so many memories that I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. A remarkable collegiate career and then you went on to be drafted in 2018-28 the overall by the Houston Astros and then went on to play on different minor league teams what mindset do you have to have when working your way to the top um that you know it, it sounds super cliche and I'm sure you hear a lot of ball players say that but you kind of got to trust the process and I'm sure you've heard that quite a few times and I know I have um but you got to understand you know that you know just like in any kind of workforce you have to work um you know, from the bottom up and you have to uh, build yourself up to the point where um, you can be challenged with things that, you know, that I'm facing right now in AAA that I might not have been ready for when I was in like, let's say, you know, high A or short season or one of those levels. And, and there is a building block process when it comes to certain things and just how you sharpen your tools and sharpen your game throughout those levels. It's pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, struggles that you might that you might face now might not even have been dreamt about back in the day uh, when you're in the lower levels. And uh, so they're all just uh, just kind of stepping stones to prepare you for one day, hopefully getting to the big leagues. And for me, it was to kind of just take on that whole process and go, hey, I'm going to do everything I can with what I have to work for now. And then hopefully I do what I need to and I can get to the next level. And then the whole process starts over again. It's like I got to do what I got to do right now in this situation and hopefully that can get me to the next level what has been your biggest challenge you've had to overcome at the AAA level uh, I think the biggest thing is um you know that all these guys here um, pitchers wise are you know for the most part know how to pitch they're veterans you know you, you don't really get a lot of mistakes because these guys some might have pitched in the big leagues and you know are in between or guys that are are that good and young that are coming up that are flying through the system um and that are very talented players. So you have a mixture of guys that know what to expect and know know how to um, kind of evaluate hitters and have a game plan against them. And then guys that are just obviously superstars that are pitching, you know, and uh, you have to you face a mix of that. So you really don't get much to hit throughout those concepts. So, you know, if you get you might get one pitch in a bat, and if you miss it, that might be the only chance you had to you know have success at a bat. So I think it's just a mixture of all that stuff is definitely uh, been a concept of. Of learning but you know I, I I'm happy to be up here and I'm happy to be on such a great team that and we're playing really well and uh, we got a lot of good ball players and it's something that's been pretty fun. Another familiar face is the Aces new manager Blake Lawley was your manager when you were traded to the Diamondbacks organization and you had the opportunity to work with him for 24 games in 2019. Having him now again everything comes full circle so how was your time in Jackson with Lawley? How much has it grown to where you're at right now? Oh, I, I think it's grown a lot. I love Lolly. He's a, he's a great manager. He's very insightful with the game of baseball. And it almost even goes farther because uh, during the 60-man uh, the pool during the 2020 season and all that stuff, he was there coaching and stuff. And so I got to be around him for a full year, um, another full year. So, like, between the double-A time and the 2020 season and now, you know, I've really gotten to know him. And, and uh, man, you know, he's a player's coach and, and he's definitely a guy you want to go out there and uh, compete for. And uh, the biggest thing for me is, you know, he's all about winning and he wants to go out there and win every game we play. And, and that's what you want in a manager. And that's a guy that you can follow. 
Um, but you know, he's, he's really helped me grow when it comes to all aspects of my game, you know, challenging me defensively, um, give me the opportunity to, you know, come up in situations, um, with the bat and just as a whole. And, and, uh, he's going to, you know, give you the opportunity to, you know, strengthen your tools and to, you know, sharpen your tools to, you know, hopefully one day get you to the big leagues. And that's what he says. I have to ask, what was your reaction when his most recent ejection, when he put the mask over the, over his face? Oh, gosh, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was super funny. Uh, um, I remember I was sitting in the dugout and I saw him do it. And somebody goes, did he just put that mask? I think he put that mask over his face and then he called a strike. And I was like, gosh, you know, but that's Lolly. You know, he's a player's coach. He's going to, um, he thought that call might've been borderline and, uh, you know, he's there to protect his players and, uh, and it was kind of cool to see that kind of firsthand. That was the first time I've, I saw him um, get a in a game. And, uh, you know, I wasn't there very long in Jackson, but um, he definitely has every player's back. And, and that's what you want in a manager. It was hilarious. I will say I was in person yeah. and I did the same thing that you did. I was like, did he just? So that yeah. More COVID if you tried. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of people won't know this, but you used to be a swimmer um, when you were younger and uh, you set national records in the 50 meter backstroke, 100 meter backstroke, and, and you quit to focus your attention on baseball. And all because you had a coach believe in you and tell you that you had an in you to take your baseball um, skills to the next level. Do you look back at that time when you were swimming and think um, it's also helped catapult you as a baseball player? Oh, a hundred percent. Definitely with work ethic. A lot of people don't know, you know, there's people that, you know, that train for the Olympics I mean, that, that is a full-time job itself. I mean, you're training, you know, uh, six days a week. Usually they do doubles. So you'd wake up in the morning at like 4.30, you swim from like 5.30 to, to 8 a.m. Guys that were in college, we'd, you know, go to class. And then after that, they'd have another practice for like two to four. You do that six days a week. So I think at a young age really helped me uh, when it came to uh, work ethic. You know, you put in a lot of effort for these little tiny situations and these little uh, split second things that, um, you know, that a lot of time and a lot of hours have been put in, in the past to make these opportunities, you know, possible. And, um, you know, I think that's really what helped me as a 12 and 13 year old kid having to get up and have their, my mom, bless her heart, drive me at, you know, 4.30 in the morning to go uh, swim um, from 5.30 to 8. And then, you know, maybe I had a, a baseball practice later that day or a game. Um, you know, she did a lot of driving and I'm obviously very thankful for what she did uh, to keep both those dreams going. And it just came to the point where it was like um, it was just too much um, between baseball and swimming. And I remember calling um, Paul Bird. Um, he's a broadcaster now with the Braves, um, longtime friend. And uh, he's, he was a coach of mine growing up, you know, said, Seth, I really think you got the ability to hit someday in the big leagues. And uh, I really think this could be something you could have a career out of. And I remember thinking about it and praying about it. And then um, all of a sudden I said, you know what, I, th I see a baseball player here and, and I think I'm going to follow that dream. And, you know, my family just took it and ran and uh, we've been chasing that dream ever since. Who, uh, who would you say has just been the biggest, um, somebody that has just been your number one cheerleader throughout your entire career that you're so thankful for? I mean, I, I would say, I mean, it takes an army when it comes to baseball. Um, my mom and dad have been with me through it all. Um, I've got a girlfriend about um, for um, we've been together for about nine years and she's been through it all too. Um, I would say those three have been through the ringer, my sister too. They've all been to countless hours of baseball games and, and they've been with me, you know, through high school, 
into college and obviously into professional baseball and they all know, you know, what it, what it, what goes into being a professional um, baseball player and uh, all the steps it needs to take. And, um, you know, my girlfriend's visited me in Iowa, Michigan, she's came flown all over the country to see some, um, see me play baseball and to see me for, you know, two or three hours out of the day, you know, she flies out for a weekend and, uh, and, and she knows, you know, how much effort and how much time goes into the sport and, you know, bless her heart. She, she's, she's been through it all and she's seen, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of baseball and, uh, my parents too. And, you know, so between them, they've done so many things to, uh, keep it all going. And for that, I'm, I'm like truly thankful because, you know, without them and I don't think I could be able to do what I do. What would ACE fans be surprised to learn about you? Uh, that I am, uh, a fisherman by heart that plays baseball. I uh, love to fish. Uh, I've actually gotten into fly fishing this past year. So coming out to Reno for me uh, was pretty cool. It's a pretty big area when it comes to fly fishing. So every off day you can catch me out there on the river fishing. Awesome. And Seth, you probably get this a lot cliche. Since your last name is beer, do you have a favorite beer? Do you drink beer? Uh, I think the biggest, the joke is, you know, that's the question everybody asks. I mean, people asked me that when I was like, 12, 13 years old. I'm like, I'm 12. I don't drink beer. Like, uh, but for me, honestly, uh, I'm, I'm not very picky. Anything you give me, uh, you know, I'll drink. And that, that's kind of what it, when it comes down to, but really not picky about beers. It's, it's pretty easy. So <laughs> it comes with the name. <laughs> yeah. Come with the name. If I don't like a beer, then there's a bigger issue. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I can't really be that picky about it. So I'm pretty easy going and you know, I love the jokes and, and you know, you just kind of live with it. And at the end of the day, it's my name. It's the name I represent. So like, uh, I'm just trying to have fun with it and honor it to the best of my abilities. Awesome. Well, thank you, Seth, so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you. This segment is sponsored by Bradley, Drendel and Janae. It is Friday. That means bet or no bet by Bradley, Drendel and Janae and joining us from his offices. Uh, Joe Bradley, uh, you wouldn't think it was a Friday, Chris, going into a three-day weekend. Joe looks like he's he's uh, he's ready to, to paint the town red or he's ready to go to trial. <laughs> it's close. It's what we do in, in lieu of trials. I have a mediation this afternoon where we all gather together and hopefully uh, work towards a resolution of the case. And we will do it in person, which is the first one I've done in person in over a year. So uh, I'm glad my business, what I do is, uh, is interactive. It's we, we get face to face. We've talked about this before. So I'm actually glad to be able to get back to a face to face uh, uh, interaction. And it works better that way. There's, there's more sense of immediacy and importance to the event. Believe yeah. me. Well, uh, we'll talk about some face to face interaction here in a, just a second. So we had got a pretty good chuckle out of before the segment. Uh, all right, uh, Joe, we talked about this on this show, Chris and I did, but I want to get your opinion too, being a fan and, and being an educated fan. Uh, if the Pac-12 does expand, uh, what are the best fits for the Pac-12 conference? What do you think they would do if they decide to raid maybe a couple of teams out West? Uh, but Chris, I agree. We think they ought to go to the Big 12, but other teams out West that, that would fit the Pac-12? Well, you know, that, that was a, a subject that was very near and dear to my heart uh, as, my, as I uh, 
continued my involvement with the University of Nevada, Reno back in 2010 and 11 and 12 when I was uh, chair of the AUN board for two consecutive season, or sessions, that's four years in total. And prior to that, when I was on the board and so on, I always had kind of a hope in my heart that particularly back before the first realignment, when, when conferences were more geographically uh, lined up, much like the Pac-10 and the Pac-12 was and is, but before like the Big East was talking about taking Boise State and so on. But when it was geographically aligned, I always felt in my heart that if Nevada and UNLV ascended to greater heights, meaning educational research one universities that had the, the budget and the, and the academia that could support it, that, that it would be a great fit to have them in the PAC-12, uh, PAC-14, if you will. I've learned and I understand in the last, you know, in my involvement that that, that really is, is not a strong likelihood. We don't have the academic strength. Certainly UNLV does not have the academic strength that, uh, that is required of a PAC-12 school. They don't have an endowment like most of these PAC-12 schools. They don't have the uh, athletic funding. I mean, it would be wonderful for us to be in the PAC-12. I always dreamt that they could take the, the, the rodeo grounds and put our football stadium and our athletic facilities over there and, and have, you know, be very close to the university. I mean, it was a great vision that I had, but I realized it's not realistic for Nevada. Who is it realistic for? Um, I think I heard you talk about, and I agreed yesterday when I watched your show that of all the schools, and, and you're right, it is kind of the JC of, of the Cal system, but is um, San Diego State. It is a Cal, Cal State school, but they have outstanding programs, football and basketball. They have a great uh, 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 fan base. They, have, they, they compete annually, top 25 football and basketball. All the other programs are great and it geographically it fits in. So yeah, but it being a Cal State school, mm, I don't know. I think you get a lot of pushback from the, from the UC schools. Yeah, I think Chris made a great point yesterday talking about it um, that, you know, why don't you make a splash? Why don't you go after an OU and a Texas? But they're, they're not going to leave. They're not going to leave the Big 12. And I just, I can't see that happening. But uh, yeah, I mean, if Gonzaga wanted to be a part-time member, that's intriguing. I keep wanting to see Gonzaga invest in football. Um, it's funny that you talk about academics with the Pac-12. Uh, there is a certain movie where uh, two guys that are called Dumb and Dumber uh, are accepted into a certain school in the Pac-12. And he realizes he gets an acceptance letter. I'm not going to embarrass that university by saying, but you might not, you might know who we're talking about. Uh, oh, all right, who's going to win the Stanley Cup, Joe? I mean, first off, are the Knights going to win tonight? And who do you think wins the Cup? Uh, the Knights have proven that they're, they've got their hands full with the Wild. Uh, and they are back home. And that's a tough place to win for the Wild. Uh, this is the, the final game. I mean, it's winner take all and move on to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to bet uh, the the Knights. I'm going to say the Knights are going to win at home. They're due for a win. They've got loads of scoring talent. Uh, so, and, you know, they're going to play flurry. So, you know, they've got their, 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 their star goalie. They've got their, um, they've got their scores. I've just got to go with the Knights tonight at home. 
but then they face the avalanche and i think the avalanche is a very good team and i think it could very well be the avalanche year the year of the avalanche is, is yeah, like that. i i agree i think the Avs could end up taking this i'm a little torn i'm on the fence here uh rail city todd chris still thinks that the wild are going to win in vegas but you uh you're contradicting that I went with the Knights, but Real City Todd is our hockey expert, so let's side with him. Uh, and, you know, in terms of winning it all, I have the Avalanche as well. I mean, they swept right through the Blues. They had no issue with that series. They had the most points in the regular season. They're the best team in hockey, but, you know, playoffs can be a little bit fluky. So I have Avalanche over the reigning champs, the Lightning, who just uh, took out my Florida Panthers a couple of days ago. Florida Panthers, Buffalo Bills, Lakers, and Dodgers. Uh, Joe, we try and figure out uh, – how the loyalties came about, but that's a, that's a longer segment. I've got about two minutes left in this segment. Uh, Joe, would you go on a cruise or a destination vacation right now? Are you at that comfort level? And you brought up norovirus before we came on the set. I mean, well, uh, well the reason I brought that up is because I've never been on a cruise and I, I, I'd always kind of threatened them. And I have friends that love it. I mean, once they say, once you start and once you do it, uh, that you really get sucked into it, that it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's it's painless and it's wonderful, particularly at a little uh, higher level than maybe just the Carnival Crew to Ensenada, you know. Uh, but but those those major cruise lines, you know, I think that that they they are very nice. But I remember when we had threatened, contemplated go, going on a cruise. But then the norovirus hit, and you'd see all those poor people stuck stuck on those cruise ships, uh, coming down with you know flu-like symptoms where they have you know they're throwing up, they've got diarrhea, they can't eat, they can't leave the room. Then they have to go in and, and clean the whole room. And this is pre-COVID, so that kind of reshuffled my deck on the cruise thing. I, I probably wouldn't go on a cruise right now. Would I go on a destination to uh, to say? To a to a nice resort in Hawaii that's open and that is uh, has all the protocols in place, yeah, I, I think I'd feel comfortable doing that now. Uh, mm -hmm. But I but I think you've got to be mindful of of still where we are and and you know for the longest time you couldn't really even you know the, the resorts were closed in Hawaii, but I see they're slowly opening, and I want to be part of the solution. I'd like to be one of those peoples that supports the resorts. I'm looking forward, you know, to going back to Vegas and going out to dinner and going to a, going to a, a Raiders game and, and that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm in no particular rush to be the first guy on the cruise ship or at, you know, a all-inclusive resort in Puerto Vallarta. Probably not. Chris, uh, you're getting ready to head to Hawaii and uh, uh, the Honorable uh, Mr. Bradley just chewed up all your time, but uh, uh, yeah, you're going to go to Hawaii soon. You got 15 seconds here. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, you're cool. Uh, yeah, probably wouldn't do a cruise right now, but we are going to Hawaii in about 50 days, uh, Maui. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm a big cruise guy, but right now, no way. Not going to do it. I've been on a dozen, probably not going to do it. Joe, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks very much. Yeah, have a great three-day weekend, guys. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. We'll be right back with more here on NSNB. Signing day, uh, definitely very, very special, Chris, when it comes to high school athletes, uh, all the hard work and dedication on, off the field, the court. And I always try and thank every member of the family because you're not going to be able to do it without a grandma driving you to practice or mom or dad helping you study or whatever, a sister or brother, cousins, coaches, teachers, you know. But uh, uh, Nevada saw three local high school athletes signed with the Wolfpack. Uh, let's start up up in Queen with uh, uh, Maddie Shipman. She's a runner. 
Yeah, some of these aren't like breaking news, but they did have a signing day ceremony up at McQueen High School on Tuesday. So uh, McQueen did have two players who went through that signing day ceremony who are coming to Nevada. Maddie Shipman is one of them. So she's uh, kind of a newcomer to distance running, but she did finish fifth in the Northern 5A regional cross country meet uh, with a time of 20 minutes and 27 seconds, which is pretty good. And then in track and field, she finished third in the 800 meters, second in the 1600 meters. And then it was on metal teams in the four by 400 and four by 800. So very versatile athlete, obviously cross country and track and field blend over. Uh, a lot of the members of the Wolfpack track and field team and cross country team uh, compete for both. Uh, and, you know, Maddie is going to come to Nevada and try and run some cross country and then do some of those, you know, a little bit longer distances, the 1600 and the, the 800 meters. So, uh, you know, I think that's a really good fit. I think she has a lot of area to continue to grow because she is relatively new to distance running, but um, you know, that's a good addition for Kirk Elias. He's usually had a couple of locals on his team uh, since he became the head coach almost 15 years ago. And this is the most recent addition. Uh, signing next to Maddie was uh, Michaela Weber, another softball player who's going to join this class, which as you point out in your article, includes uh, Alicia Coates, who's a catcher from Reed. And, I mean, Josh Taylor really has stocked his roster with local players. I think more than any uh, roster, if you look at Nevada's rosters and percentage of them being locals, has largely been softball. And that's a credit to Coach Taylor for keeping them here. And it's a credit for the high school coaches in our area for developing talented enough players to play for a very good Mountain West school. So uh, you look at uh, Michaela in particular, she's a two-way player. She had 433 this last year with seven home runs in only 20 games. So she can really slug the heck out of the ball. Her OPS was uh, 1428, which is a huge number. She was also a pitcher for the Lancers. I don't think she's going to pitch in Nevada, but she had a 3.63 ERA and 61 and uh, two-thirds inning. So she's a very athletic person who can do both pitching and hitting. And, um, you know, Nevada's losing some talented locals. You look at Kenzie Goins, you look at uh, Julia Jensen, you look at Sadaria McAllister. Uh, all of those are locals who aren't coming back for an additional year uh, as they graduate. And, uh, you know, this will be, you know, someone who the locals can continue to root for who is, uh, you know, from this area. And I, I expect to do really good things for the Wolfpack because she's a very talented player. And last but not least, a volleyball player over at Reno High School who's a member of uh, the regional championship teams, uh, Lena Strand going to join Nevada volleyball. Yeah, they won uh, regional titles in 2018, 2019. They lost to Minogue in the regional championship this year, but uh, a very good libero. Uh, I mean, somebody who led the state in digs this past year with 114. She had 267 digs. Uh, the year before, which was a full season. Obviously, this year was truncated. So very good defensive player. And given where the Nevada volleyball program has been the last couple of years, I mean, they need a talent upgrade. So maybe she steps in with that championship pedigree and that, you know, good uh, production as a libero and is able to make a, a pretty quick impact. And, you know, it's, it's just always cool to see these locals stay home. I mean, if you want to go away to college, that, that's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that as well. But to be able to see you know, people come up through our youth system to our high school system to the local college and have success at all three levels is something that's really cool. And as Josh Taylor said on our show last week, I think it means something a little bit more to wear a Nevada uniform for somebody who grew up in Reno Sparks, as opposed to somebody who gets recruited from, you know, maybe the Bay Area, Southern California or Arizona, not that they don't care about Nevada. Yeah. If you grow up rooting for the team and then playing for the team, you know, going to matches at maybe Virginia Street Gym and then playing at Virginia Street Gym. That's just a really we're out of time here on nsn daily enjoy your weekend hopefully you get to get outdoors we'll see you next week